For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Don't settle for an old Gmail address. Show your true colours with your personalised at ToonArmy.com email address to use in-app or on the web. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to CHN Radio episode 133. I'm your host Greg Troxel. Happy Wednesday or whatever day you're listening to this after Wednesday, everyone. Um, it's we're we're one week closer to to actually seeing football happen to finish out the season that we've waited to finish out and we're going to talk there's there's actually news like flowing news in the Newcastle United landscape that we get to talk about we've been kind of dragging on with this takeover and with project restart well now project restart's done the takeover's still dragging but we're 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 close enough to actually playing where there's stuff to talk about and i'm so excited to bring you the man who brings it all together. The man who makes this the one and true only black and white Newcastle United podcast. The best damn co-host in the land, Elijah Newsom. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. And uh, by the way, you can follow me on Twitter at Elijah underscore Newsom. I actually tweeted about Newcastle today, so it's worth the follow. Mm. I feel like there's a lot of people who follow me from this, and then they're just like disappointed when I'm tweeting about Atlanta sports. And maybe I should make a Newcastle account so that it's like, but I feel like that's too many accounts because like I already tweet from CHN Radio and coming up Newcastle. Let me tweet what I want to tweet from Elijah underscore. You should, so you follow should me tweet there. something right now. Like okay. so, so if you're listening to this, follow follow Elijah at Elijah underscore okay. Newsom, and you're gonna okay. tweet something. What are you gonna tweet? Let Let's think of a fun oh. tweet. Um, um. Uh. Let's say geez. let's let's make it something about Javier Manquillo. Just the first okay. thing that comes into your mind about Javier Manquillo, I want you to tweet it right now and, and send it. Just right now. You doing it? You have to provide commentary because this is not a video. Oh, show. okay. It's a, it's a, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it, even if it was a video show, people wouldn't see. <laughs> they would just see me typing. This is what I'm tweeting. Um, this is the first, like, and mind you, this is the very first thing that came to my mind when I thought of Javier Mankio. <laughs> I can't wait. Javier Mankio would probably steal my girlfriend from me. Oh, uh, there. Yeah, yeah. I can see it. That, I mean, I mean, like, he's a, you're a strapping he's a young lad, but Javier Javier Mankio might have but to beat. <laughs> He's attractive, I mean, and he's uh, he's about to enter a contract extension potentially with Newcastle United. Yeah, so, uh, well, he's got that going. Atletico Madrid, well, Javier Manquillo would definitely steal mm. your girl. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Uh, so, um, if if you're following me after listening to this, or you're listening to this podcast, you already follow me. Shout out to the NUFC fam. Um, go like that tweet and comment whether or not you think like comment the player you think <laughs> would steal your girl. Or or man, if you're a lady. Yeah, this is this is definitely okay, an inclusive yeah. show. It is. Um, or if you're a guy and yeah, yeah, we we all get everything. It. We're 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 just open. <laughs> we're open. Yeah. The door is open. Open for business. The, 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 I would like to say that we are pro everything on this podcast. Yeah. Um, Except for yes, racism. Also, we're not pro racism. Yep, yeah, we are anti-racism. Actually. Yeah. Mm. Uh, mm. Okay. So, Dude, wait, did you announce where you're where people can follow you? Yeah, well, I didn't, but okay, we were, we were getting we were so close. <laughs> um, okay. so you can follow me at NUFC underscore Greg. Um, I'm not tweeting anything right now, and I probably should tweet way more, but I just don't. You tweeted something today, yeah. Which I was, was, really I was proud of myself actually for tweeting, it was really just funny. for sending a tweet on that account. Um, well, we're not going to tell people what Greg tweeted, you yeah, have to follow yeah, you have and see to, it, yeah, exactly. Uh, and then follow the podcast account at chn underscore radio, and then the main account at coming home and UFC. But there's some business to talk about 
regarding the main account, we are pumping out some articles, and y'all need to oh, yeah. y'all need to read them. Uh, so head oh. head to cominghomenewcastle.sbnation.com, create an account, seriously, comment, get in the banter. I mean, there's so many good art articles from Hawaii. The stats yeah. did a good scouting report on on Valentino Lazaro. Andy just pumping out some some great pieces about the pub in Newcastle fandom and then the 12th man effect that we have uh graham's always added i mean elijah even writes from time to time i mean the thing, things are great yeah and we did a site-wide piece um which if we if we didn't have so much news greg and i probably would have talked about today yeah but we'll we'll have to push it to next week probably but we did a site-wide kind of best 11 for the premier league restart and it was really interesting to see like where people place value on certain players in the squad. Like, there were some mainstays. Like, I'm pretty sure Dubrovka, Amaron, and ASM and Lascelles were in everyone's starting 11. But, like, outside of that, it was kind of a who who knows. So, definitely check out what we're doing. And, obviously, like like Greg said, comment, all that good stuff. Um, also, if you're a fan of Facebook, we're, we're, the Facebook's active again. So, mm. go on to Facebook. I know that there's a lot of... A lot of Brits who love the old Facebook. So get on Facebook, go like our page, Coming Home Newcastle, another place where you can consume content. And Graham runs our Facebook page mostly. He's been putting some really dope discussion questions up. So be sure to check all that out. Um, I feel like we've covered all the social media slash yeah. site plugging stuff. We're, Do you want to get there. into making fun of Sunderland? Yes. Let's all laugh at Sunderland. Uh, oh, yes. They're in League One. <laughs> Again. Yeah. Uh, actually, Again. you know what? I am going to tweet something from the account. And what, okay. what time is it? Um, we're at it's uh, nine twenty-two p.m. in six twenty-three. Oh, I'm just adding a minute because we'll take take a minute to finish. Uh, six twenty-three p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, on what's today's date? June 9th. June 9th. On the 9th of June. Happy Blade and Races mm. Day. June 9th. Yes, happy Blade and Races 2020, Day. and Sunderland are still in League One. Yeah, and uh, it's it's really unfortunate because all I'm pretty sure they're one of the League One clubs that voted this, but essentially what happened was the League One uh, clubs voted, and I believe League Two as well, voted on like whether or not they wanted to resume the season. And to be honest, with League One and League Two, um, you get to that level, it, it makes no sense to, to resume the season because the majority of your, your money comes from uh like attendance and ticket sales um because n- shocking not a lot of people want to watch league one football on tv um so yeah so they voted to end the season there even since now and they went on a points per game uh kind of measure which is is you know whatever but it actually saw Sunderland drop i believe Sunderland were like in like six or something like pretty much right outside the playoffs or right in the playoff spot before this this all happened and they now have dropped to eighth which is their lowest ever finish ever. <laughs> like, just in the history of their club. They've never finished this low, which is eighth in League One. So, um, shout out to Sunderland. Uh, they'll be there next season. And I have to admit, the Sunderland fans are, are taking it well. So, uh, better than I would. I mean, yeah. How they, much, they seem to be content. How much disappointment can you take before it's just normal? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, it, that's it, how I feel <laughs> like it is with them. Um, yeah. Cool. So let's let's talk about the better club in the north, um, us, Ooh. and let's talk about Puma because there's a, an extension that could go into not just next season but the season beyond that. Uh, so, mm-hmm. are you happy with Puma being our kit sponsor? Or our I mean, after have you seen the uh, the Manchester City? Oh, hideous! Uh, the worst. Manchester City just released their uh, their their third kit. Well, it's not released; it's been leaked. Yeah. The third kit produced by Puma, and it either looks like in one of my in one of my group chats, um, people have compared it to mitochondria and like cells because it looks like it's cells. just a biology and project other, from a third grader. <laughs> yeah, it, and, and and in one of my other group chats, it looks like a gang bandana. So, um, in that group chat, we've actually turned all Manchester Manchester City's players into like if they were like Crips, so like Kevin DeCroina or like Cal Cancelo. Like so so it's obviously the blood movement. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly, so Damn. it's like you got to replace everything with the C. So it's so, not Man- um, yeah. Manchester Bitty anymore? No, it's not. It's Manchester City <laughs> with the uh, the handicapped person. So yeah. that's that's the, the Crip <laughs> thing. Uh, we're we're gangbangers hey. on this pod. 
Um, but I mean, honestly, I don't really care. I think I I'm not as mad at Puma as other people. I think that like, especially okay, context. I would say right now they're like Nike, Adidas, and Puma all are hit or miss every year with kits. You either get a good slate of kits or you get one or two good kits. But, like, no one has produced, like, solid kits consistently. Like, Adidas has had bad kits. Puma's had bad kits. Nike have had bad kits. And they're all trying to push the edge and push the boundary, and it just doesn't work. Um, like, this season for Newcastle wasn't particularly great. Um, it was a bit boring with the with the green alternate. Um, I mean, the, the home strip was a little bit controversial. The, the, the idea was fine. I think people got used to it. And then the orange kit is very much, like, your wild card. Yeah. And then I think last year was the year they did um, the hoops, which was like the best kit Puma's ever produced for Newcastle. So it exactly like one year could be good. Next year could be bad. Mm-hmm. I don't really care. Um, but what it does mean is that any of these Saudi Arabia mock-ups better have the Puma uh, stuff on them instead of Adidas. That That's actually honestly the only thing that this really affects. Yeah. Um, I, I, I didn't like this year's home kit, the three stripes. I like the smaller, a lot more stripes. Um, but whatever, like it doesn't it doesn't yeah. mind me because um, like I'm like, seeing they all know the other. That regardless, we're gonna buy. It. Yeah, like they they know we're gonna exactly. buy the kit. I mean, I'm gonna buy it from China, but we're gonna buy it. Yeah, um, and and I think like Nike kind of branches out a little too more than I'd like. Adidas is actually looks pretty good a lot of the time, but like. I mean, people like these companies are going to make horrible decisions and they'll make good ones. I'm sure. I mean, Puma has made great kits in the past. So, uh, who's, who's, yeah. who's, who's think they can't do it again. Um, yeah, let's go to project restart ish. The topics. Um, it's, mm. it's, it's, we have times and we have dates and the first one to be, yeah. uh, excited about is Sunday, June 21st, 2 PM local time, 9 AM Eastern 6 a.m. Pacific, uh, Newcastle United against Sheffield United. Elijah, uh, based on any other, other other times that were released, is anything does anything stand out to you there, or do you want to just run through some of them, or how do you want to do this? It, I think it's it's interesting that essentially Newcastle play a game every like five three days. Oh yeah, I was gonna say five. Oh, but, well, yeah, it's it's. Oh wait, yeah, something maybe three to five days. Yeah, it's something. No, I think it's three. I don't know. But they basically play Sunday, Wednesday, and then Sunday. Um, and the FA Cup complicates things um, because, you know, we that's an extra match. But everyone else has their first three matches announced, and then the FA Cup matches were announced as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, it's cool. We played that Sunday, and then we played the following Wednesday against Villa, and then the following Sunday against Man City, and then the following Wednesday against Burnmouth. Um, again, no idea where any of these matches can be held. That still hasn't been announced. I, I would, if if it goes like last week, it's going to get announced when we drop this podcast. Yeah, so. yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we're just excited. It's happening. Uh, there's what is it? there's like twelve to eleven days until the match. So we're we're excited. Um, and yeah. we're still in this position where like a win could be enough. Like simply three points could be it. Um, yeah, but we, we obviously are going to want way more than that. Uh, if you listen to the last show, we had our predictions on that. Um, but, or two shows ago, uh, I can't even remember, but either way, Newcastle are going to win the league. So next order of business that I want to get into is updates mm-hmm. to our squad. Who's going to be ready to play? Um, um, so yeah, go ahead. I, I mean, it looks like everyone's going to be ready to play. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is so. Yeah, so last week Paul Dummett commented um, to NUFC.com that he's like fully fit, R.I.P. Um, really detailed. Huh? R.I.P. Jetro though. Yeah, Jetro is is in Germany, yeah. uh, tweeting yeah. probably. Um, but Paul Dummett said he's fully fit and ready to join the squad. Um, and Andy Carroll, it was reported earlier this week, uh, I guess really late last week, that um, he's. Fully fit as well um, and available for selection. Um, although what it looks like right now is no one really knows their status. Um, and I guess I'm kind of hopping around here. No one really knows their status because although they're fit, they weren't named to the original. They're not on the original. Like, well, sorry, Paul Dummett's not on the 25 man roster right now. He was removed because his season ending injury happened so 
and he was replaced by Danny Rose. Um, and so he's technically not on the 25-man roster. Um, like guys like Jack Callback, who were set to be released, um, and I think Jamie Sterry, they're also not on the 25-man roster, and there's no indication that we're going to like try to re-sign them. So they're just actually going to be released at the beginning of July. Um, and then Andy Carroll is a weird situation as well. Same with Maddie Longstaff, where their contract situations are kind of up in the air. I think that we could see short-term contract extensions for the both of them. It would be really weird of Andy Carroll not to agree to a, a short-term extension to finish out the season. I could see the I could see Sean Longstaff not agreeing to it in order to get his actual extension. Mm-hmm. Um, if that makes sense, Greg. But yeah. Uh, that's that's kind of the first status, um, and then I guess we can move into Valentino Lazaro and our loan signing. So we kind of mentioned this last week, but um, loan signings are really weird right now because the the contracts say that the loan signings in July one, and the per, the player returns to the club. The issue is that the season obviously will not end July one. The season will just be. Um, under restart in that in that time period, so um, it's really uncertain as to the status of some of the loan signings around the league. Uh, specifically, um, Nabil Bentaleb and uh, Danny Rose from Newcastle. I would be surprised if there's not some sort of loan extension deal worked out for the both of them. Um, Schalke clearly don't want Nabil Bentaleb. Um, Danny Rose is not really wanted by Tottenham. Um, it's really it's kind of widely understood that he's going to sign somewhere else next season as a free agent. Potentially PSG, potentially Newcastle, who knows. But it is confirmed that Valentin Lozaro's loan deal has been extended. Like, he's going to be here at Newcastle, at least until the season's over. Still no word on whether or not we should, we're going to trigger his, like, 22 million pound purchase clause or whatever it is, or 20 million pound purchase clause. But yeah, I think that's everything. Oh, and Dan Barlazar got an extension on his deal. Um, and Steve Bruce said he's going to be a part of. He's currently in the championship right now. Am I right, Greg? Well, League One. League maybe? One, but they got promoted. So, like, I guess he's technically in the championship right now. So, shout out to him. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but essentially, Steve Bruce promised him that he'd be a part of the first team plans next season. Again, very weird considering that. We don't even know if Steve Bruce is going to be the manager next year. But sure, hey, we'll take the, the extension. It's a year-long extension. Yeah, uh, Dan is did a really good job at Rotherham this year. He started – he made 35 appearances. I mean, he was he was a first I – mean, one of the first guys on the team sheet. Had like – he didn't score a lot, um, but he is a center mid. Uh, I think I don't even know if he scored in, in the league. I don't have his stats up, but I know he's scored a banger in the FA Cup. Uh, but the consensus is if you just search Rotherham Twitter, like they love him and they want him back yeah. next year in the championship. Uh, Dan also spoke and said that he wants to be back uh, in the championship. So wants to go back on loan and, and play for them, which I think would be a great next step to kind of claw it out in the championship against sides that will have more budget and he'll be forced to produce. So uh, Mm -hmm. I think that would be a good next step for him. And so congrats to Dan. That's well-deserved. People are saying a good next step for the long staffs might be to loan one or both of them down to the championship for, you know, half a season or maybe the full season. I know you're our youth team expert. Is that something that you would agree with, or are you? Or do you think that maybe a new manager or a, a fresh set of eyes would would be good for them? Uh, I'm gonna uh, just. I, I'm not doing this on purpose, so anyone listening, do not get mad at me. But I'm going to assume that Mike Ashley is still our owner, and in that situation, I hope they do not get loaned out because we won't have the depth. Um, now, if we do uh, get new ownership and they're definitely investing. Then yeah, well, hundred percent. Send them, send them to the championship, or send them to Bundesliga. Send them. I mean, there's there's plenty of options, and uh, like I'd even love to see them play in in Netherlands. So um, that I mean, that league is known for developing great young talent. Uh, So I would love to see both of them get loaned to a club there and and really like work on their abilities and ability to develop. So. It really just depends on the state of Newcastle if if we can even afford to take that risk. Hmm. That, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat. 
my understanding is that there would be some depth, like the depth signing. Like if we were to get new owners, I would imagine they would want to improve the team all around. And that would, it would mean that one or both of long staffs would have to go out on loan just for depth purposes. Um, and who knows if that means triggering the Bintola purchase clause, or if that means looking elsewhere for midfielders, signing some guys on a free. I know there's plenty of guys who are going to be available um, this summer. Um, and there's going to be hot take. This is one that you can pay attention to. I think there's going to be a lot of guys who are going to be easier to get. Big names are going to be easier to get than you think. I'm thinking Coutinho, James Rodriguez. Those guys are going to be big names. They're going to be easy to get. Gareth Bale. Because I was watching the TIFO video on this. Real Madrid and like Barcelona, like they don't have they don't have enough money to afford the players they want because of like the La Liga kind of stoppage and the TV money and revenue money from from ticket sales kind of decreasing. So it'll be interesting to see if if that's something that Premier League clubs hop on. You know, who knows? Anyway, yeah. moving on. Is there anything else from team news or? No, I think we're good, right? Mm, I think yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's let's good. Do it. Yeah. Um let's let's mm-hmm. take a break. Then we're gonna go to some action. Some Newcastle United actual action. Um we're gonna do that right after this break. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Never miss a match with live commentary, goal alerts, lineups, in-game stats, and TV and radio links for over one hundred leagues globally. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. Okay, we saw players that play for the first team of Newcastle United competing in training and scrimmages. How do you feel, yeah. Elijah Newsom, about that? <laughs> I mean, it was wild to see. I mean, I have my own thoughts on what I've seen so far, and I guess once we get into like the nitty-gritty, then I can kind of share my thoughts. But, I mean, for those who don't know, I think it was last Wednesday they resumed full contact training, something like that. So it's been cool to see all the videos um, from that. And um, I'm glad that they've started scrimmaging and stuff. Um, But, I mean, I've got a couple notes written down from that. And then we can kind of hop into what we've seen over the past couple days, if that's okay with you. Um, Yeah, so let's let's do it this way. Okay. They had they had an eleven on eleven training and then they played a friendly on Tuesday against Middlesbrough. Let's let's just say this is the score. This is what happened, and let's just take our thoughts overall of what we've seen so far. Is that good? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So the eleven eleven train was a one to one draw. Bentaleb and Jolinton scored. Um, the friendly on Tuesday against Middlesbrough, Newcastle fell down two nothing early on and then came back. To win three to two, the goal scorers Muto. I have to pause after that. Just make sure everyone yeah. understood that I said. And Yoshinari Muto by the way, scored. Um, not a fluky goal. <laughs> I'd say probably the best goal of the Newcastle goals. Yeah. Uh, the next one was Almiron and Jolinton again. Uh, so let let's they have a they have a friendly this coming Saturday against Hall City. Uh, but Elijah, just your thoughts so far on how Newcastle have been played any players that you're really liking any anything i'll take it all um okay we'll start with this the first thing that i'd like to mention is it does look like newcastle are running i mean and maybe the, and again we have very limited highlights and so i wonder if the whole city match will get a little more highlights but right now it looks like newcastle are sticking with the five in the back formation i it looks like it's going to be that like five what is it five two three I guess that they that they were running before um, things before like I don't know before the the, the Premier League went on break um, and I guess before before but, oh okay sorry before we like beat West Brom we were running the five in the back so it looks like they they're running a five in the back just based on the training video and then I um, the training video where I saw Ben Taleb's goal it kind of looked like a five in the back formation with Danny Rose as a left wing back and um, I want to say Lozara as a right wing back. And then on the attacking team, Yedlin was playing a right wing back role. Um, so that's the first thing I, I wanted to point out was five in the back. Don't know what that means for the future, whether or not Steve Bruce is trying out multiple four nations. That's just the first thing I noticed. Second thing I noticed, which I think is of the utmost importance, the defending looked has looked horrendous. Um, the Both the Joel Linton goal and Ben Taleb goal were just like 
a literally a product of terrible defense. The Bentaleb goal was literally a giveaway. Um, I mean, it was a great strike. I mean, easily one. I mean, it's it's kind of the Bentaleb that I saw at uh, Schalke two seasons ago. Long range banger, top right hand corner. Great, great shot. Can't fault him there. But the defending has been woeful. And then Joe Linton literally walked through the defense and scored. Um, and then uh, then that's followed up with a two nil. Being down 2-0 to Middlesbrough, who is below your class, their championship side, if I'm correct, that's definitely right. Mm -hmm. Mid-table to lower-table championship side, you're down 2-0 to them. That's not good. It's great we came back 3-2, but then again, that's not great. Um, But it's good to see guys like Joe Linton and Almiron and Muto scoring. Um, And it's good. And people are like, oh, it's only preseason. But then you have to remember that, like, the vibe that you're getting in preseason and behind closed doors matches is the same vibe you're going to get in the premier, in in this Premier League restart. At least for the first couple of matches, it's going to feel like preseason. So if these guys' confidence is is like high because there's no fans and there's less pressure on them, then I'm all for it. I'd love for them to continue to score goals. So those are my thoughts on on what I've seen so far. Yeah, yeah, it's all about regaining that chemistry. Uh, it seems um, off offensively that on the attack that that's better than what it's been defensively but uh i think that you know they can get it together and it's i mean nothing against sheffield united because they're having a, a heck of a season but it's not like they're like the most insane attacking threat to, to face first so i'm lucky we're lucky that that's who we're opening up with now if sheffield come out and put three or four past us yeah i'm, I'm a little worried but um right now I, i'm i'm not gonna i'm not looking too much into it but I mean, yeah. the biggest thing for me, it has to be Joe Linton. Yeah, I mean, two the two matches they played, he scored in. That's like, I mean, if he continues on that, he's all of a sudden a hero, and no one's even, no one even cares what happened the whole beginning of the season. So I'm yeah. really hoping that works out because you know it it's way better to root for a player on your team than not root for a player on your team. Um, there's there's people trashing him for his goal today. They're like, oh, he couldn't even control the ball. I was like, like I was thinking, bro, I, it went in. <laughs> I wanted, I wanted to like attack these people because I'm like, you know, damn well, if you were in the stands, you would be going ballistic if he scored that yeah. goal. So don't even act like you Let, like it's not let's an be impressive real. goal. Like you, you went ballistic with the Diame fluke goal in the championship yeah. in a match where we were already winning. Like let, let's be real. Like don't don't act like you wouldn't take that goal. Yeah. You take those goals 100. percent You went ballistic with the Florian Lejeune uh, Everton goal where he like hit it and Jordan Pickford was over. Like shut up, yeah. shut up, shut up. Just people, be, people it went just in. Try to complain about something. It's like miserable. And worth noting, Joe Linton scored like three or four goals in preseason. Like he would, he and Almiron were banging in goals. Mm-hmm. I was excited. Um, so I mean, I honestly do think that the, not having the fans is good. And I do think that if he's able to put the goal, the, the ball in the back of the net against Premier League sides, that that confidence is going to carry over to next season, regardless of what the fans think or say or cheer at him. Um, and I do think if if he were to to go on a, a decent scoring streak. We're talking, you know, three or four goals, and we've already seen it with 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 uh, in the Bundesliga. A, a guy like Lucas Piatek, is that his first name? Lucas Piatek. Mm-hmm. The the okay. I just want to make sure I got. It. But a guy like Lucas Piatek literally had like I think he had two goals before um, this. He wasn't starting for Hertha Berlin. He had two goals, and I want to say both of them. One of them at least was from the penalty spot. And since we've restarted, he's scored pretty much. Almost, he scored in like three out of the five mat, three out of the four matches he's appeared in. So I, I think that it, it, there are certain players that have benefited from you know the less fans, you know, being able to kind of play the game in its purest form, all that kind of stuff. And hopefully that that bodes well for Joel Linton. And kind of to your point about the defense, maybe I'm looking, I'm a little too worried because again, I was watching a clip from a behind closed doors. 11 on 11 in UFC versus in UFC training session, which they were probably just working on tactics. So I'd imagine the defensive intensity is not going to be all the way there. But again, we don't know until what is it? June 21st when we uh, see Newcastle play Sheffield. Oh yeah. So yeah. Uh, one more thing before we go to another break is uh, a little trivia question. What premier league club still is charging people for season tickets? Oh man, that's tough. Uh, okay, well I know it's not Sunderland. <laughs> um, no, it, it's Newcastle. Uh, Only one. There's been a lot of 
there's been a lot of discussion about this, a lot of frustration, obviously. I mean, again, for me, I've held the same kind of stance of, like, this is one of those things where it's going to be... It's it's purely because there's no new owners, and I'm held the belief that, like, if we get to June 21st, they're going to just refund the tickets and take the hit themselves. They're just kind of waiting to see. And, again, they can because this WTO report is going to come out at the end of this week. Um, wait, is that right? Yeah, at the end of this week. June 13th? That's the end of this week. Um, so yeah, it's going to come out at the end of this week. It's going to come out at the end of this week. So we'll kind of have some sort of idea of where this takeover is going to be after that, or we hope to be. Um, and so, I don't know. I, they, they've still got time to, to hold out. But, I mean, Mike Ashley's taking one of the worst PR hits he's probably ever taken. And it's unfortunate because he's literally only taking this because he's selling the club. Like, I... In my heart, I truly believe. I and I know people may disagree with me, disagree with me on this, but in my heart, I truly believe that if Newcastle were like legit, like not being sold right now, that Mike Ashley would have been just like, "All right, refund," because like everyone else has done it, and he would have been getting slandered for it online. I, he, definitely could easily just refund the season tickets. I mean, it's it. You're a billionaire. Like you can foot the bill, and you can refund the tickets. Like I just couldn't imagine Mike Ashley ever agreeing to a business deal in which, like, he's going to pay something that will not be given to him. I just don't see how that's that's something that he would ever agree to. So why would you make anybody else do that? Like, if you wouldn't do it yourself, then why would you let anyone do it? Uh, it's yeah. it's a joke. That it's and it's it's a joke. And I, I don't have any sympathy for his PR hit or the money he's going to lose. Um, but again, I, I I also believe like I'm still in that boat of the new owners want to be the ones to because like at this point, I, yeah. like I have no idea if the NHS thing is going to be as big of a PR stunt as like it would have been if the deal was announced a month ago, because like times have changed like there's a different shift i mean i know at least in the states and it seems like in the uk covid is still very much a threat but it's definitely not going to be it's not as prevalent as you know black lives matter so like i don't know i still am in that boat of like they're probably more the ones pushing to be like let's hold off on this but at some point like i like you said he's a billionaire he can take the hit that's the thing for me is that like i know that mike asher can take this hit it's not a big deal or at the minimum, just renegotiate, like, you know, hey, just pay me, you know, whatever it is, a couple mil. Because it's really not that much money. I mean, it, like, <laughs> even, like, the PR hit, like, it's it's simple, like, because then it's just like, okay, like, like let's, let's cancel that PR hit. Because what's happening is it's hitting people's wallets in a pretty tough yeah. time. So, like, you know what else is a great PR hit? I don't know, like, winning the Champions League. That's a great PR hit. <laughs> Um, if you're looking for in that. New York City, yeah, <laughs> where Greg and Elijah are going to be there live. That's right. Um, okay, so we're going to take a break, and then we're going to talk about the takeover. Uh, any up- updates going on there? So we're going to do that right now. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Never miss a thing with the latest Newcastle news, gossip, and social stories as they break. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store. And Google Play. All right, I'm never going to do that again. By the way, that was the only okay, time. Yeah, please don't. I'm ever going to do that. Um, takeover updates. It's still not done. So Elijah, the first thing I want to bring up to you is you were wrong again. Oh, frick. Uh, I mean, okay. All right, Greg. I'm saying this on the record. This one, I will not be wrong. The takeover will be announced. This Wednesday or Thursday before 5 p.m. And if so not, literally like, maybe if Friday. If you're listening to this, it's probably happening. If you're listening to this, you're probably expecting our emergency pod yeah. to be released. And, hey, we're going to be working on it right now. Um, like, as you're listening to this, we are actually recording our emergency pod. We've actually flown in Warren Barton to Las Vegas so that he could do it in person with Greg. So... Mm-hmm. Just letting you know, like it's already being recorded. So yeah, this Wednesday or Thursday b- before five PM, book it. If you're a betting man, put a fiver on it. I have a tenner. 
Oh, <laughs> apparently you can't bet on when the takeover. Well, we've kind of discussed this in the past, but some one of our fans has actually tried to bet on this. Well, you can, um, uh, but if they remove the bet, then you can't anymore. So, yeah, um, boo. Yeah, so that's what happens. <laughs> uh, the first update is the uh, lawsuit between Amanda Stavely and Barclays. Mm-hmm. Um, so that. She apparently it's reported that that she wanted to get this all sorted before that started. Well, that started, so uh, that plan is now out the window. I don't know what actual effect it will have on anything. Do you know? I mean, it, it honestly for her, I, 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 it, it's really, it's really odd to understand what her role actually is. Like, for example, if there's any concerns with piracy or whatever. Mm-hmm. It seems like she's the face of this bid. Would they go directly to her and say, "Hey, you need to figure this out with the people in your bid," or would they just go directly to our proposed chairman, which is the guy who runs the PIF fund? So that, I think that's where it gets a little tricky. Um, I would imagine that she's kind of the face of it because the Rubin brothers are just so involved in whatever they're running, their own businesses, that she's probably the one where the Premier League's like had the most contact with. And so I guess this kind of affects us, but also, I mean. There's not really much she can do at, in regards to this trial besides show up. Like, I mean, she'll be obviously, like, called to the stand for certain things, but, like, there's no extra legwork right now, at least, that she needs to do for this trial. So, I mean, it, it's a good thing. I mean, hopefully it nets in her getting an additional $1.6 billion. That'd be nice. I mean, she might throw a couple couple mil over to uh, Newcastle. Throw a couple bones. Uh, c- couple bones. Um, but, but, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's interesting. It definitely is something that takes away a little bit of her attention, but I don't know how, how concerned we should be right now because we really don't really know what's going on with the takeover or Amanda Stavely. Yeah. Uh, there is another update about the piracy issues. Piracy seems to be what the focus point is on, uh, what everything's kind of hinging on is, is what is being reported. Uh, but there was an athletic article about the... I guess, rivalry between the Saudis and Qatar and the TV rights. Um, and there's the report is that Saudi Arabia would work out a TV deal with the Prem. And also that there's another report that Saudi Arabia would also work out a deal with Qatar, like kind of smooth things over, which would be like, I don't know, borderline unprecedented at this point. Cause they're, it, it would be one of it would be literally world news. <laughs> it, would, yeah. it would be like if Israel and Palestine, put together a joint bid for the olympics yeah yeah um so that would be interesting to see if if that actually happens if if the two countries actually negotiate smooth things over and maybe have a joint tv deal or something i'm not sure exactly what the end goal would be but do you have any extra thoughts on on that article uh i would say this that the the author of this which is someone who's not associated with newcastle is just a, a a premier league reporter um, he did point out something that we've brought up multiple times, and it's been kind of my saving grace on this takeover that still gives me hope. Even though at this point, it's not really hope. It's more of just like, let's just get this over with. <laughs> tell me yes or no. It's like when you're in a bad relationship and you're like, all right, just just tell me what, if we're breaking up or if you want to like work this out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that is that this is just an absolute just nightmare um, in terms of like, if you say no, like just no. Everything's going to go south as regards to our former relations with Saudi Arabia. And then also Saudi Arabia has the just potential to absolutely sue the heck out of the Premier League and make the Premier League's life a living hell. Mm-hmm. Would they do that? I have no idea. But it is important to, to recognize that like that is something that is probably on the minds of, of, of Richard Masters, which it makes it an interesting thing. Like I think any of C360 tweeted out a pros and cons thing where it's like, pros this that and the other and cons this that and the other and you look at the list and you're like you know it, it's a different it's a difficult decision for your masters i mean on one hand if you say yes you get saudi arabia in your back pocket um you know you upset bn as a con you know you may get ridiculed for other leagues but the pro is that saudi arabia is investing in your league rather than investing in la liga like, imagine if Saudi Arabia took over Villarreal and made them a top three club in the world. Like, you don't want that because you want to make sure the Premier League's the best league out there. So, it, it's interesting um, from that perspective. But that was the only other thing for that article I wanted to bring up was just the fact that he that, that author touches on 
um, some of the the potential blowback of denying this deal from going through. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, it's interesting stuff to say the least. Though. Definitely is. Uh, speaking of more interesting things, there's more reports of who our sporting director could be if this takeover is announced. Um, Elijah, take it away because you know more about these two than I do for sure. Yeah, um, I guess so. Before that, I actually want to bring up another report that was kind of thrown out there that you know it was it interests me because I hadn't seen it in a while. Um, but there was another report that surfaced from China that said that Dalian Yifang basically has a replacement because they're anticipating Rafa would accept an offer um, for cheese. Uh, would accept an offer to come back to yeah to come back to Newcastle. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that's just something to keep in the back of your head. Don't I wouldn't pay it that much mind because again, it's whatever. Um, but we've been linked with uh, two potential sporting directors. The first one we were linked with was is Antero Antero Henrique, who um is the current sporting director at Porto. Um, he was at PSG um in 2017. Oh, sorry, he's sorry, he was. I don't think he's. No, he's not at Porto anymore. He was at PSG most recently, but he used to be the sporting director at Porto pretty much for like 20-something years. Um, basically turned Porto into kind of the top uh, Portuguese side they are now. Uh, scouted a lot of great players, bought a lot of great players, had a lot of great deals, has worked with you know a ton of great managers, all that good stuff, and then was most recently at PSG. Um, and, of course... His most famed signing is the Mbappe signing. Um, so there's that. Um, so he's he's one person that apparently you've been in contact with as a sporting director role, which um, it, which is cool or whatever. And then the other one is honestly one that I feel like I'm one of the only people in the world that saw this name and was like, oh, okay, that's cool, and knew the person immediately. But uh, Lutz Fahnenstahl is uh, the other person we're linked to. He's currently at uh, SC Köln. No, wait. No, he's at Dusseldorf right now. He's at Dusseldorf right now, definitely. Um, yes, he's at Dusseldorf. Uh, he's the sporting director there. Uh, was most recently the sporting director at... Um, well, sorry, was most recently the scouting director at Hertha Berlin. Um, no, wait. No, Hoffenheim. I'm <laughs> do you really know who this person is? <laughs> I, I do, but I. what's happened is that I was, I was like, reading about, like... German football. I went in a rabbit hole. I'm just literally, like, I don't know. I just went through. Yeah, it was Hoffenheim. I went through this rabbit hole, and I was like looking at all these different players and clubs. Like, I was reading about Hertha Berlin because they've had an absurd run of form. Okay, that's not important. But anyway, Lutz is also a Fox commentator, brings brilliant expertise. But I think what's interesting about him is that he's got contacts literally all over the world, which is something you don't see. Like, when I mean all over the world, he's played in, like, 27 different countries or something like that and um, was known for trying to scout when he was a scout um, at Hoffenheim from just, like, literally everywhere. And during his time period, Hoffenheim brought in, like, a lot of just, like, super cheap but very effective signings that they were able to flip um, for a lot. Um, most notably, he's known for some of his Brazilian signings, like, you know, Roberto Firmino, et cetera, et cetera, that kind of stuff. Um, but, yeah, he would be an interesting choice as well. He's basically taken over for Tuna Dusseldorf as sporting director. Again, newer to the game, not as established as um, Antero Henrique, um, but again, a, a solid option, et cetera, et cetera. Sorry for my brain fart there um, in terms of Bundesliga, but I, I think I've honestly consumed a little bit too much Bundesliga, so maybe it's time to stop. <laughs> uh, the last thing that we'll get to before we uh, go into questions, well, this is kind of a question too, is um, Henry Maurice. Uh, there, there's links that he is still waiting in the wings. He is going to, uh, like, if, if it doesn't work out, he's going to swoop in and it's claimed that he can have this whole thing done within three weeks, even with the, the Premier League director's test or fit and proper or whatever it is. Uh, so who is he? And this was a question that was asked to us by Ken. Um, sorry, I'm getting it up now. Oh, Ken Walker at Shearer Boots. Shearer's Boots. Um, like who is he? We've talked about him before on the show. It's it's kind of unknown exactly what it is he does and how much his net worth is, but it's reported, and this is from friend of the pod, Luke Edwards, 
that he wants to kind of emulate exactly what Fenway Sports Group did when they bought Liverpool for 300 mil a few years ago. Um, that seemed to be a good investment. That was a good strategy on their part. And he wants to do the same here. So very similar to what like Amanda Stavely's plans are. Like he's the CEO of Clear TV. He's in Burbank, California. I, like, and that's pretty much all we're going to know of him. Um, it's, it's pretty, there's not much news about the guy. There was a report about a whistleblower saying that clear TV is full of like money, money laundering and all this other stuff, um, that NUFC 360 tweeted about, but I mean, we're not going to know the validity of any of that stuff. So, yeah. And I would like to say as Americans, like, I feel like we, no offense to NUFC 360, but I mean, we've seen Clear TV and we understand that they are literally on every single airline and every single taxi that I've come across, Greg. I mean, I'm sure your experience is, is the same. Um, so, like, it's not like Clear TV is a very small company or anything. Again, not much, not much is known about Henry Maurice. I would be, I think my worry is um, when, and this is something that we've seen, um, and just, I would, I don't, I mean, this kind of relate to our questions, but MLS owners were kind of guilty of this, where you see a successful team or a successful strategy, like, I don't know, say Atlanta United, and you enter, you buy a team, say you're FC Cincinnati, or you're Nashville SC, and you buy a team, and you see that Atlanta United is successful, and then, like, you, you say, oh, I want to do that, I want to do that, like, and I think... There's there's a ton of people in the world who are rich that would say, if they were interested in football, that would say, I want to emulate what Liverpool has done. They won the Champions League last year. They have a very good team. They're going to win the Premier League this season. But that doesn't mean that you have the knowledge or wherewithal or the resources to be able to do that. And I think that's that's where I get a little concerned is that it's great to be to want to be the next Liverpool. But at the end of the day, that's just the goal. And if you don't have any action or you don't have the wealth to do that, then it's like... I don't know if this is the best move um, in terms of Newcastle. Again, Mike Ashley is clearly just looking to sell at this point. I mean, especially after this, I'm sure he just wants to sell to whoever's available. And if Maurice has the money and can prove he has the money, then he'll he'll get the club. But I don't know if we're going to be the next Liverpool because he's owning the club, unless he brings in some outside investment. Because then again, we don't know how much he's worth. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, there's not really much else to report for me on that. I mean, and it, like, and it's kind of a mute point because if this goes through, it's completely irrelevant to talk about Henry Maurice. Um, if it doesn't go through, then yeah, we'll we'll talk more about him and we can we can figure more out. But right now, it's kind but of- also if it doesn't go through, and I think Luke Edwards brought the, has brought this up on in tweets. Um, like if it doesn't go through, there's going to be a lot wealthier, a lot more wealthier, a lot. Like wealthier individuals than Henry Maurice, and again, we don't know how much he's worth. They'd be interested in Newcastle because the Saudi PIF were interested in Newcastle, and they're going to see it as a good investment. Yeah, it's just it it doesn't make a lot of sense to us common folk. But if you're rich and you have money, and you see that like people who are richer than you and also have a lot of money are, are investing in this, then you're going to want to invest in it. So, um, there's a lot of people paying attention to this to, to this takeover right now, not just Henry Henry Maurice for sure. So, getting to some questions. Um, we got one from Will Watson at Batman's Milkman. Uh, due to the lockdown, clubs in lower divisions are really struggling financially. How should clubs and governing bodies better plan for this sort of thing in the future? And could they take lessons from how clubs and the MLS have handled things? Um, Ooh, I'll, I'll take a stab. Uh <laughs> So it, yeah, it's ahead. not just I've got words. It's not just clubs, and you have to. I, I guess you look at it as business. Uh, clubs in lower divisions are like small businesses, and if you look at small businesses around the world, they're they're failing, and they're needing to get bought out by their governments just to stay open. They're getting grants and things like that. Uh, no, nobody could have seen this coming, so you can't really fault anybody for not planning for it. Um, some people have some. Clubs and businesses have done a terrible job at at saving money, and that's one thing to look into. But you can't blame them for not being prepared for something like this. I mean, nobody nobody would have predicted this ever. Um, 
So taking lessons from from how clubs and MLS have handled things is a whole different thing because MLS barely started. They played one game uh, or two games or depending on who you are. The Philadelphia Union played once. Or no, sorry, they played Atlanta twice. United played, they played twice. They played United played twice, and we were at the top. We we won both of our games. Yeah, so so we were in first place. So it's really like, I mean, it's it's kind of unfair to compare them because MLS still really have a whole season to play versus League One. They're they're, I mean, and, and like MLS has way higher broadcasting rights, way more attendance. Like it's just it's just a whole different league. So it's not not fair to compare the two. Um, but I, I, you can't, you can't. I don't know. I just say you can't compare the two, and you can't fault the the clubs for the amount of money that they lost, or the leagues for not providing more support. Uh, it, it's got to be on the fans to save those clubs. But uh, I, I couldn't fault anybody for not fiscally preparing for something like this. Mm. Yeah, um, I guess my my takes would be this. Um, like Greg said, this is something you can't prepare for. But I would also want to point out, the MLS should not be a benchmark for for how coronavirus has been handled and restarting because the MLS, to be honest, it's been an absolute shit show. I mean, um, for one, they just announced last week uh, that they are going to be returning to action. And again, like Greg said, they'd only played two games. So they're in the best position out of anyone to, to restart because they could easily move the entire season back like completely but um they are they have just decided that they're going to restart um they nearly had a lockout earlier this past week um the players union is incredibly upset with how the mls has handled negotiations um the mls has not provided any sort of clear plan as to what their restart is going to look like we know it's going to be some sort of tournament in orlando um again that's not going we don't know if that's going to result in the season ending after that there are some rumors Jeff Lorenzo an Atlanta United player said that there's that they were just told on the call that there's going to be nine games after it they don't know if that's going to be the only nine games that are going to be played if that's going to be some sort of like playoffs if that's going to be um you know nine games to start off with and then we'll add more games if we feel that it's safe to or if it's going to be nine games behind closed doors and then after that we'll we'll start moving people back and like the, the mls has been a shit show in how they've handled this whole crisis and it's it's honestly them and mlb i mean that's a whole nother discussion but them and mlb were in the best positions to handle this because the mlb their season hadn't started yet and mls their season had just started so both those the both those leagues could have done so much and could have worked with players um since the beginning to, to basically ensure that the season would happen but the owners got greedy, the league got greedy, and they kind of thought they could wait it out. And now they're in a situation where the MLB, there's still no no word on whether or not they're going to restart. And the MLS, like, they're going to restart, but all the players are very skeptical. And Pitti Martinez, another Atlanta United player, said today that essentially, like, they don't know how safe they're going to be in Orlando. And if the safety measures aren't up to par, they're just not going to play. So... MLS is not a great example. Now, if you're looking at positive things that MLS does that could prevent you from losing a lot of money, you got a salary cap. That's cool. But if you're looking at League One and below, there's a natural salary cap already kind of there. Like, there's not a lot of players that are making an absorbent amount of money because it's League One. Um, There's kind of a natural cap in there. It's not like the Premier League. It's not the championship where you can kind of overplay players if you can afford it. Because essentially, if you're a League One side, you're kind of barely making a profit anyway so kind of long story short there's nothing that league one can learn from mls in fact i would stay away from mls if i'm league one what they've done league one what they've done is is the right thing it's unfortunate but it's actually probably the best case scenario for them because if they were to play um i don't think they would be making that much money they'd actually probably be losing a little bit of money because they have to pay for staff and players and all that kind of stuff um and they don't have uh, the the revenue from match day to really cover that. So that that's kind of your answer, uh, Batman's Milkman. I don't know if it's what you were looking for. Yeah, uh, next question from yo underscore ho underscore no underscore mo. Mm. Uh, if you could scout one... Oh, let me, let me get the exact wording. Uh, if you could scout only... <clears throat> if you could only scout prospects from only one country in each continent, which countries would you choose? 
So mm-hmm. easily Antarctica and Australia, uh, first two on okay, the list. Obviously. Um, so got that out of the way. But let's start with Asia. If you could scout in what country in Asia would you scout? Man, honestly, I love this question. I want to say that. Um, my initial thought was China because just volume. But then I was starting to look and I was like, Japan easily like has the best amount of prospects. You're looking at like they've got, you know, I forgot the guy's name, Kubo, who's at Barcelona. Um, and they've got a couple other guys as well. Um, the, the, the lad who was just signed from Salzburg to Liverpool. So it seems like Japan has taken soccer development um, pretty seriously. And right now it's kind of a almost a golden generation for them. So this would be a good time to get a Japanese player not named Yoshinori Muto. But who knows? Muto could turn out to be decent. Um, but China, on the other hand, as they have the volume, but they've actually like kind of walked back on all of their initiatives to improve uh, youth development and soccer development in their country. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Japan when we're talking Asia. Okay, uh, just to pick a different one, I'm going to go with Korea. I was going to say Japan as well, but Korea would probably be the next best for me. Just, yeah, just, I mean, just trying I, I was, to find I was some. make sure you said Japan. <laughs> I was just trying to find some more keys out there, you know. Um, okay. Keys or let's go. Not a a son, a key, not a son. Uh, let's go to Africa. What country would you scout of in Africa? This is interesting because I think if you asked me five years ago, I would have said Ghana, but I think now I'd say Nigeria. Ooh. Um, decent players there. Uh, Ian Nacho comes to mind. Um, some other guys. I'm. I'm drawing a blank, but there's got a lot of guys who've immigrated and are playing for other places. So I guess it doesn't, I don't know if it counts, but I do think Nigeria is probably right now. I mean, and Ghana's up there, Cameroon, Cote d'Ivoire, Cameroon, they're all up there as well. But like, if you're talking about top five countries in Africa for, for soccer, Nigeria is in that, is in that, uh, is in that conversation for sure. Uh, it's Senegal for me. Mm-hmm. They are nice. It's a good shout. And um, we would have, they have Kaladu Kulabali. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Um, pulling up the roster now. Um, oh, yeah. Maybe I should have pulled up the Nigerian roster because I know it's good. I mean, yeah. So this is the player on their on their first, on their national team. This is, uh, you have a couple French players, a keeper and a Turkish player. And then you have Napoli, Barcelona, um PSG, Crystal Palace, Watford, Bruges, Porto, Liverpool, Sadio Mane. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of Diallos on the uh, Senegalese national okay. team. Uh, so, yeah, so there's there's a player from Schalke. There's Bordeaux, Yusuf uh, Sabali. Sabali, is that it? And Henri okay. Saive being the, the biggest name on that national team. Okay. Um, hey, I'd, I'd like to say we both picked good teams because I'm looking at my my squad my squad for Nigeria. I've got Victor Osmian, Chukwuzi. I can't say his name. Ainacho, Alex Awobi, yeah. um, Wilfred Ndidi. So like some solid players as well. And actually, pretty much every single one of their uh, players in their national team um, plays for a uh, European league team. Yeah. So. I'd like to say that's a good thing. Yeah, you don't often see that in African countries. So, what about that was actually a fun one? Europe. Oh man, Europe's a tough one. Uh man. Um, it's. I'm gonna go with Germany. I think that Germany. Um, first and foremost, I think Germany, in terms of development, um, like they have a solid plan. Um in terms of, like, how they handle youth development. I think, like, Netherlands is another good example of, like, just really good youth development. But I think that on a consistency basis, Germany always produces at least four to five players that are just, like, very good players. Regardless of, you know, the generation, per se. Like, you know, Netherlands is kind of hit or miss. They've had a a generation that's missed. France, it's like some of the guys can't play in the Premier League, etc., etc. 
but Germany, it seems like they always have world-class players every single year. Right now, like in this current generation, Timo Werner and Kai Havertz are about to tear it up in the Premier League um, when they eventually make their moves. Before that, it was you know, Tony Cruz. I mean, right now you've got uh, Serge Gnabry as well. Um, Nicholas Sule, it's, it, the list goes on and on. David Alaba, like, well, actually, he's not German. So, I mean, but the list goes on and on. It seems like every year they have four or five guys. So, if you scout Germany and you're Newcastle, you have the resources to do so, you're bound to at least get one of those, like, top-tier guys um, every season. Well, not every season, but every generation. It's France for me. Um, I mean, look at the players on a national team. They're nasty. They won the World Cup, uh, and yeah, there's a but, ton of youth there. Uh, okay, I, I agree with you, but I also am just like, look at those guys. Like, I don't know, like, I, I don't want to be that guy, but it seems like the French players just don't do well in the Premier League. That's fine. I'm I, I'm scouting them at a young age and bringing them in and developing them too. So Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it's like, it's, like, I love their team, but it's like, what, like, if Anton Griezmann was in the Premier League right now, like I, w- I would hope that he's good, but then again, there's no guarantee that he's going to be good. When it's like, I can take a lot of German players, and I just know they're going to be good in the Premier League because I've seen it in the past. Yeah, well, I don't know. For sure, it's France for me. <laughs> um, we'll do. We'll save the best for last. So we're going to go to South America next. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there, there's really only two countries you can look at. It's Brazil and Argentina. Um, I think I'll go Brazil for me, just for the sake that. I'm not even thinking attacking players, but I'm thinking like the great Brazilian midfielders and defenders that we've seen. Um, I think Marcelo is probably the the best left back that I've ever seen play Um, just in terms of his passing ability, his touch, his dribbling ability, um, him as a threat going forward. I think that like that for me is great. But then you look at just like defenders in general, they, they, they seem to produce good defenders as well as good goalkeepers. I mean, Alisson and Ederson, are easily the two best keepers in in the Premier League, or at least in the conversation for it, and they're both Brazilian. So I just think that you're you're getting a decent amount of of talent if you scout Brazil. Argentina, probably, I mean, if you're not going to go Brazil, you got to go Argentina uh, for that as well. Uh, So just to be different, um, I'm going to go with Uruguay. I mean, okay, sorry, you'll 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 hit. I mean, yeah, I guess Uruguay because like they're the nasty. one guy, you, yeah, yeah, their team is nasty, but it's also like the one guy you hit is going to be like, like team, like I'm um, like history changing guy, like Luis Suarez or Cavani. Like if you think of those guys, and it's like the teams that discovered them and the teams that signed them have just been insanely good like you think about how Suarez changed the fortunes for Liverpool or how Cavani changed the fortunes for PSG it's like yeah I could see Uruguay as well yeah so um and then the best for last in North America it's the United States of America and it's not even close oh man you're wrong it's clearly Mexico no it's not no they don't have the infrastructure they don't have the infrastructure to support it I get it (laughs) I, I get it dude I I really do get it but like I have no faith in U.S. Like, as I'm so, I, if you and this is this is getting personal, but I mean, we're a fam. I'm writing a thesis on the youth on the corporization of youth soccer in America. Like the way we develop players is just like awful, and I just have no, I have no like faith in our uh, in in our national team to develop prospects as well. Well, so look at I, I, look at players around the world though in, in that age group of. 18 to 24 um if you take the best 18 to 24 year olds in the united states in canada and in mexico who wins i also Just think play, you're gassing up some i still might go mexico yeah i won't i won't on that that's 100 <laughs> percent. i will not <laughs> i'm still gonna go like we've got okay we've got what josh Sargent, and we've got weston mckinney we got tyler adams Pulisic. who else Pulisic, okay, but they've also got Chucky. They've got Jonathan Gonzalez. Like they've got some players as well. I I don't know. I just think like I would I would give Mexico a shout. But then again, like if you look at Josh Sargent, like not the best season from him. You look at Tyler Adams. Like I mean, again, this is definitely partially because of the teams they're on. Like Tyler Adams is not being played at his best position. So like I don't know. I, I 
and Weston McKinney, like, shout out, like, free Weston McKinney. Like, if we're talking about, like, we've been asked this a lot in the past, and I've given it some thought. Talking about players that we can sign that are going to be relatively affordable that could improve our team, get Weston McKinney and have him play as a destroyer because, Jesus Christ, get him the hell away from Schalke because that this has been awful to see how he's been used there. Goodness me. Oh, man. And we could probably get him for 20 mil. Yeah, maybe. Uh, is there any other points you want to make before we close up shop or anything else Newcastle related? No. I mean, I'm I'm going to really give it some thought about the Mexico-U.S. men's national team thing because, like, I want to believe U.S. men's national team, but maybe I'm just, like, blinded by recency bias or just the fact that, like, their national team right now is better than U.S. men's national team. But I don't know. I, I that That's going to be something that's going to sit and weigh heavy on me for for the next couple of months not yeah. months but the couple of days at least um but yeah i don't think i have anything else um yeah check out the podcast be sure to rate us five stars if you haven't um i guess we should do a giveaway at some point yeah oh create we'll an account that. that'd be cool if you did that yeah all right well that's gonna conclude episode 133 of chn radio i'm your host greg troxel that's the best damn coast in the land, Elijah Newsom. Enjoy this beautiful sound of coming home, Newcastle. And we'll see you next week. Away the lads. Love you guys. It's like sitting inside a fridge. But I wish I was on the case side. Looking at the old time bridge. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll need for a bottle of your own brown hill. I'm coming home. Newcastle, if you never win the cup again, I'll pray for Dark at St. James's Park if the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home. And I'm proud to be a Jody and to live in Jody land. Some people think we're forty and we're hard to understand, and they say it's just self pity. And we're not so very tough Cause the people in the big fat city Haven't had it tough as rough I'm coming home, Newcastle You can keep your London wine I'd walk the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of the river Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound And me mother saying, hey, how we I'm coming home The old blind busker who stands at Fenwick's door He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before And I love the Geordie heroes, there's so many famous names Like Lindisfarne in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gateshead Games I'm coming home, Newcastle, I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown hill I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the cup again I'll pray for darkness in James's Park, in the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home, Newcastle, you can keep your London wine I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away Kiss the ground for the welcome sound And me mother seeing hitting how we I'm coming home, Newcastle I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown nail I'm coming home, Newcastle If you never win the cup again I'll brave the dog is in James's pocket The Gallagher's end in the rain